Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So last night before our five o'clock service, someone stopped me on the way into worship and said, is this the week that you're gonna preach on worry? Well, yeah. He said, I've been worried about it all week. And then this morning, someone said, so you worried about your sermon today? You got a bunch of funny people here. So, uh, well, if you're new with us, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and do have the privilege of bringing a sermon on this subject here today. Um, So greetings both in here, the East Auditorium, those in Lovington, and those streaming online. In all locations, I invite you to turn in a Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, which will give us a word on all of this here uh, today. But as you turn there, um, just want to make sure I take this opportunity to wish everyone a happy Seasonal Affective Disorder Month, also known as February. And if you're unfamiliar, Seasonal Affective Disorder, or its acronym SAD, S-A-D, or its street name, the Winter Blues, is uh, actually a medically recognized disorder that is brought on uh, by shorter days, less sunlight, and more darkness. And it can weigh in on a generalized gloominess that we feel this time of year. Uh, but I think what we all know is that the, uh, the winter blues or the winter worries, if we're honest, it's not, a, um, it's not something that's relegated to just one season of the year. In fact, it can be a, a year-round sport, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, you know, we maybe find ourselves, you know, having difficulty falling asleep, tossing and turning at night, or maybe on the other side of that night, uh, find ourselves waking up at just odd hours in the middle of the night uh, with anxious thoughts or worries or concerns uh, that have our attention. Um, according to one research program, Anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health problem among women and second only to alcohol and drugs for men. Stress-related ailments, uh, it is said, cost the nation an estimated $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity. In fact, we as Americans, we are scored as the most anxious nation on the planet. And in fact, on this current day, we are the most anxious nation since anxiety has been measured. Our kids are feeling it as well. Uh, A recent study of more than 2,000 incoming college freshmen uh, stated that students report all-time lows for overall mental health and emotional stability. One psychologist uh, reported that, quote, the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety that the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s exhibited. Psalm 27 says, do not fret, for it only causes harm. 
And we know that kind of harm. We know it causes harm to our blood pressure, to our hearts. Uh, We feel it in our necks, our jaws, uh, our backs, and our bowels. Stress uh, does cause harm on all kinds of facets of life. And as we step into how God's word wants us to respond to those frets, those worries, those anxieties, uh, I just want to kind of offer a disclaimer at the beginning of this sermon uh, and this whole sermon series that I in no way want to imply that we can somehow wave all anxiety away with a single sermon or sermon series or anything like that. Uh, For some of you, uh, this subject has been and will be the, the thorn in your flesh where you will continually have to rely on God's sufficient grace to be enough for you in those difficulties. Uh, For some, help will come and healing will come through professional help, uh, whether through a physician or a counselor or through medication. And uh, the pastoral team here uh, is is more than available to help you discern what those next steps might be if that's where you feel like you might be at. Uh, But I will say this, that regardless of where you feel like you find yourself on the anxiety spectrum, uh, we all could benefit from, we'll say, a healthy dose of Philippians chapter four here today. And so that's what we're going to look at uh, as uh, we look to God's word to help us all move forward uh, wherever we're at in that space on any given day. And so Philippians 4, 6, uh, within that passage that we're going to look at, says it simply this way. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Other translations read, be anxious for nothing. That's the title of our series, Anxious for Nothing, because really that's our goal. We want to move toward being anxious for nothing. And when it comes to this idea of being anxious for nothing um, and, and, and getting after that, here's, well, what does God's word say? It says simply, do not. Do not be anxious about anything. And if I'm honest and I read that, I kind of wish it maybe just was uh, a little more attainable, uh, seeming at first blush look. Like, could it just say, you know, how about only be anxious on Thursdays? Uh, Or, or, you know, could it just be anxious on occasion or maybe uh, anxious on like the really tough days? Uh, Because it kind of feels to read that, it's like, you know, hey, got anxiety? Well, stop it. And uh, I'm thankful, actually, that God's word and the context around it gives us a whole lot more uh, than that. And so the first thing we see, actually, in this particular verse is the verb tense that's used in the original Greek about do not being anxious. And that really what we see in this tense is what's called the present active, which means it is an ongoing action. And so really you could translate that verse more fully. Uh, Don't let yourself, you could say, be caught in a state of ongoing, continuous worry. Or you could just translate it, do not live within a perpetual state of worry. And that's helpful because, well, other passages, one including uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, says that when we have our anxieties, it, it accepts that we're going to have them, and so we have to do something with that. So it says, cast our anxieties, cast our cares upon the one who cares for you. So that's just, again, one of many passages that assume we will face anxieties in this life, that in this fallen world, we should expect that worries are going to creep in. They're going to come our way. I mean, even Jesus In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night uh, he was betrayed to death as facing the cross, he was praying um, anxiously about what he would have to face in the cross. Uh, In fact, he's praying that he would not have to face it. In Luke 22, 44, it says it this way. It says, Jesus, being in anguish, says his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
And so God, he assumes, he knows that in this life we will have anxieties, we will have worries. Jesus said it this way, he said, in this world you will have trouble. And so the question we're we're after today is not this idea that we're gonna eliminate all of that from creeping into our life. What we're after is what is it that we are to do when that anxious thought or that worry creeps into our life? How could and how should we respond? And so that's what this series, both today and over the next three weeks, is all about. And what we're going to look at here specifically in the book of Philippians is really what we could say a remedy for worry that uh, God's word gives us. And so the book of Philippians that we're going to look at here in just a moment is really, uh, it wasn't a book per se, it was actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in the Roman colony of Philippi. He's writing to a church, really to them, to remedy uh, some brokenness and some disunity that was taking place in that church, to try to remedy that so that the church could focus back on being their best, being on mission for what God had called them to be and to do in their particular context. And so as he's addressing some of these, these challenges, throughout the letter, Paul moves from addressing the church as a whole and then as we get to the end of the letter, which we're going to be in Philippians 4, he starts to uh, focus on some individual matters that individual members within the church were facing, of which include some anxieties and some worries. And so what the Apostle Paul is after in the context of the book of Philippians for us as we think about this as a church is that when you when I, when we as a church, when we are stuck in giving our headspace into a perpetual state of worry when we give ourselves, as Jesus said, to the worries of this world, well then we cannot then as effectively be and do all that God has called us to with our heads and our hearts and our hands, frankly, uh, to serve the world, to be a light to the world, uh, because we're being, um, you could say, stalled or blocked by giving our heads and our hearts to something other than all that God's called us to. And so what God wants to do through the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians is really release us, release us from a constant state of worry and anxiety so that we can be free to be at our best, so that we can go be at our best for a world that so desperately needs to hear uh, the results of what God can do in the midst of these kinds of anxieties and worries uh, that can block them and blocks us from our best. And so that's what we're after here. So Paul's gonna give us this remedy for worry in Philippians chapter four, verse four through nine. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna read it in its entirety and then we'll kind of work our way back through studying what God has for us in the midst, okay? So follow along with me. Chapter four, Philippians, starting in verse four. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and then the God of peace will be with you. All right. 
Well, the first thing that we see uh, in the very first verse of this line, kind of this header, if you will, as to really start everything else that we want to understand both today and the weeks ahead, is that we, in order to move past worry, that God is calling us to, you could say, replace our worry with worship. God wants us to ultimately replace our worries with worship. And the Apostle Paul, he says it right out of the gate. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you missed it, I say it again, rejoice. And uh, so essentially, really, if you wanted to say, you wanted to sum up what we're after in replacing our worry, um, that word in just one word would be worship. Now, as I say that, if I could maybe verbalize some of the nonverbal looks uh, I am receiving right now, there's kind of the sense of like, seriously, like, Seriously, like that's your big aha, like, you know, we're gonna sing some worship songs and that's gonna make everything better? Well, no, that's not what Paul or I am trying to communicate here because what we often maybe miss when we hear that word worship is something far less than what worship truly is. Uh, It's so much more than a song. Worship, at its core, defined, is ultimately, it is assigning ultimate worth. That's what worship is. When we worship something, we assign ultimate worth. And so when we worship God, when we discover uh, a life that uh, our ultimate goal is to pursue worth and give worth to all God, we give everything to that, you know, our time, our money, our resources, our understanding, our gifts, our talents, when we assign everything that we have and are to ultimate value in God, well, then that is when we are worshiping. And then the songs that we sing, by the way, is a, you could say, a prayerful expression of that ultimate reality which we want to give ourselves to as followers of what God would have for us. And so that's worship. But worry, on the other hand, uh, is giving ultimate worth and really almost like this twisted worship to really whatever our worry is. And when we worship, when we worship something other than God, when we give our worth to something other than God... Well, the Bible calls that idolatry, the sin of idolatry. And idolatry is really the other side of worship's coin. It is assigning ultimate worth to something other than God. And so Philippians 4, 6, it says, when it comes to a perpetual state of worry, when we give fully our head, our heart, and our worth to something other than God, that that's what we are doing. In fact, Tim Keller, he puts it this way, Pastor Tim Keller, he says that worry, ultimately, it is idolatry mapped onto the future. It's where we are putting our worth in something other than God when it comes to what we're expecting or anticipating in the future. And so in Bible times, uh, you know, when it comes to idols, you know, we think of things, you know, carved out of wood or stone or gold, uh, where, you know, the people of Bible times would utilize that idol to communicate their trust in some other means, something other than God for you know, safety and security, whether that would come through you know, fertility or rain or something like that. But make no mistake, just because we live in a time where we don't have them carved out of wood or cast from some metal does not mean that we have not created idols out of our worries. For example, when we live in a constant state of worry about maybe say others' expectations, 
when we constantly continuously worry about what others want and expect of us, well then we are bowing down then to, we bow down to trying to do it all and to be all, to all things for all people for their expectations of us. Or say when we live in a state of worry, uh, a constant state of worry about our appearances. You know, maybe we spend uh, an unhealthy amount of time uh, kind of getting past healthy and an unhealthy amount of time in the gym or uh, maybe an obsession with being in front of the mirror or we, you know, spin and toil over the clothes that we wear or maybe perhaps the clothes that we're not wearing. Case in point, uh, Adam Levine of Maroon 5 at the Super Bowl halftime show. And in case you missed it, in case you missed it, spoiler alert, uh, the jacket and the shirt will not remain on through the duration of the performance. Um, we were, we get, we get obsessed with what we look like in, in, in our culture, which in fact, um, Something. If, I don't know if, how many of you are familiar with the show The Voice, uh, where he and Blake Shelton are on there, but for those of you, of you who are, um, you might appreciate this meme that came out after the Super Bowl on Sunday night. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and so we live in a world, we see it all around us, that there's just obsessions with our appearances at all levels, and it can cause us to create anxiety and worry and an unhealthy level of concern and attention to that space. Or how about when we live in a perpetual state of uh, worry when it comes to our success or our careers? When we do that, we can find ourselves bowing down to some sort of unhealthy obsession where we move past caring for our families and actually caring more about our advancement and, and our status. Or, or students, hey, grades are great, good grades are helpful, but when we get into an unhealthy obsession with perfect grades, we are bowing down to some other understanding uh, that surpasses what should be really our worship and our worth only in the Lord our God. Or when we worry about our financial security to the point where we bow down to uh, hoarding and the pursuit of more and more and more. In all of these settings, worry is idolatry mapped onto a future where we are functionally putting our trust, putting our faith, putting our worth in something other than the Lord our God. In fact, by the way, if you look at our country where we have more than we could ever need and all of that, and you say, okay, how is it that we are the most anxious country in the, in, in the world? Well, it's these kinds of idols, these kinds of answers that give us the response to the questions as to why we top the charts in anxiousness around the world. And so the truth is we all worship. We all give our worth and our trust to something. It's not like we can turn that off. The question is, are we replacing our worries, our worth of something other than God with stepping into worship of God? Are we giving our worth to God rather than uh, investing in sideways energy and giving worth to these worries? And so that's kind of, a, again, a general umbrella reality of what we're after both today and over the next three weeks. But then the rest of Philippians really, uh, and, and the weeks ahead, is gonna paint, okay, how do we do that? How, what does that really look like? If it's more than singing a song, if we're gonna give our worth uh, to the Lord our God instead of these worries and anxieties, what does that look like? Okay, and so Philippians starts to break down that remedy here. We see that really what it paints is that we can, from there, is we can functionally release these worries. First step, release the worry with requests to God. We can release these worries with requests to God. 
We read earlier, uh, the Apostle Paul, verse six, Philippians four, do not be anxious about anything. But he goes on, he doesn't leave us there. He says, instead, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, we can respond to every anxious thought with prayer, with petition, which means to present our requests to God and to do so with this through line of giving thanks. And so as I thought about how this might look, I wanna give you a way in which you can start to put this into practice. And to do that, I'm gonna invite everyone to grab uh, your, the back of your program or if you have a journal or a piece of paper or something, I think this will be helpful in kind of making this uh, a little more practical and, and then something to write with, okay? And then on your bulletin or whatever else you have, I want you to make four columns, uh, four columns, and on those columns, put these headers. On the first column, write the word worry. On the second, request. On the third column, thankful. And in the fourth column, the word true. And each of these words are just straight out of uh, our Philippians 4 passage. And so, if we were to work through these columns, uh, working from left to right, the first column, we would write out our worry. You know, you'd write, uh, maybe it's the word finances, or maybe it's a worry at work, uh, or maybe, perhaps, it's someone's name. You know, maybe it's a, an aging parent that has your attention, or maybe a, a child that is struggling. And so whatever your worry is, write that in the first column. And then from there, uh, the second thing we do is we, as we just said, we leave it with God. We leave a request with God. We leave it with God in prayer through a request. And so you can just write out that prayer, whatever that would be, requesting you know, God's providence, his sovereignty to take over that worry, okay? And so to illustrate this a little bit, anyone ever uh, left their vehicle with a mechanic? Yeah, just about everyone. Yeah, my mechanic's in the room. I've done it a couple times. So, and so what do you do? You, you take it to the mechanic, right? You, you park the car, you give him the keys, and then what do you do? Yeah, you, you roll out a sleeping bag in the lobby and you say, I'm just gonna be right here uh, for the next couple days, whatever it takes until you get that done for me. No, you don't do that. You leave it. You leave it, you let them take care of it, you go about your day, and then you come back when it's all settled. In the same way, when we leave our worry, when we leave this request with God, we have to remember that we're leaving it with God. We're leaving it with the mechanic. We're leaving it with the one who's gonna take care of it. And so, say, you start off your morning going through these columns, you leave it with God, and then, you know, maybe it's a worry at work, and then that worry, that meeting, that conversation's coming up, uh, you know, maybe two o'clock or something like that, and then you go, oh yeah, I left it. I left it with the mechanic. I left it with the one who's got this. You know, you don't take it with you. I left it with God. I left it with my heavenly father who takes care of this, who's got this. To help us all with this, I want you, uh, we're gonna have a little exercise here, both in this room, East, Lovington, online, everyone let's participate. Raise your right hand with me, okay? Repeat after me, say, I, I hereby, hereby resign, resign as ruler of the universe. Of the <sighs> I feel a little better. <laughs> it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder to remember that the creator of the world can handle the problems we have in this world. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, okay? And so leave it with God, trust that he has it. And then from there, continue to press into God to replace your worry with worship uh, by, as it says in Philippians 4, 6, by giving thanks. 
And so that's that third column. Where can you recognize where God is already at work? Where has he provided? Where has his grace, as it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where has his grace been sufficient for you? Where can you give thanks for God's already goodness in the midst of that situation? You know, maybe going back to like the aging parent reality, you know, maybe you can give thanks that even in the midst of those challenges, you can give thanks that you or maybe a sibling are, are close enough in proximity uh, to be able to be boots on the ground in that situation. Give thanks to God for that because that's maybe not everyone's situation. Um, or, or maybe it's a worry at work, you know, something that's been plaguing you and bothering you uh, over the week and you just can zoom out and say, okay, but God, I give you thanks that I have a job, that I've been able to provide for my family uh, and, and all of that. Or, so whatever, it is, what is it, the point is, where can you find thanks even in the midst of that worry? Uh, one thing that we should all be able to give thanks for in the midst of a worry, I would say, comes right out of the, the first three words of verse eight where this letter is addressed. Brothers and sisters. We can be thankful for the reality that we're not alone. I mean, that's what the point of this letter is. Paul is writing to a church to remind them that they are the church, to be unified, to be, that they are together in this. And so the way in which we play that out on a regular basis here as a church is we, through growing and serving together, that's, those are the, the mediums, if you will, where we start to build those relationships that help us build our relationship with God. And so it's where we move past just sitting shoulder to shoulder on a weekend service. And so I hope you have that in your, in your walk, in your world. And if you don't, we'd love to help you make that connection. Uh, at connection point here out in the lobby, we can help you make those steps. Uh, first steps that was mentioned right after this service is all about that, all about helping you get connected and uh, frankly, getting involved in a Grow Together small group. Uh, this would be a great week to do it. We're gonna start a, a brand new study based on this uh, sermon series here and there. And so we'd love to help you get connected in that way so that we can actually live out what it says brothers and sisters, uh, building relationships with one another with the goal of all building our ultimate relationship and our worth to who our God is, okay? And so, where in the midst of the worry can you give thanks? And then the fourth column, under the word true, um, that's where you're going to praise God for what is true and right and praiseworthy, the rest of verse eight, where it says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is what we wanna focus on, whatever is true whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, this is, this is worship worked out. This is where we move our attention and our energy uh, really to the right of those columns. We wanna kind of keep moving our way down those where we might, you know, we might start with the worry, but we don't end there. You know, we might start with a mess, but we don't meditate on the mess. We meditate on what is true, what God's word says, uh, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. And so where is it in the midst of that situation that God's word, God's truth, you could say, I love the word transcends, where God's word can transcend and will transcend uh, the worry that we've left with him, okay? And really just, in all honesty, that's where we're re really heading in the next couple of weeks. And so, um, you know, uh, that fourth column, we really wanna play that out because that's where we wanna give our, our attention to. And so you don't wanna miss the next couple of weeks. It'd be kind of like, you know, missing like the finale of your favorite TV show. Why would you do that? You don't wanna do that. So make sure you're with us and we will continue to dig in uh, from moving from worry to worship and how we can actually do that uh, here in the weeks ahead. But just a sneak peek here for us as uh, we kind of wrap up is that, when we, 
kind of doing all this. When we replace our worry with worship, we, we leave our request with God, we give thanks for what God has already done and give our attention to what is true and praiseworthy, the result, God's word said, or says, excuse me, definitely present tense, God's word says the result is peace and purpose. There is peace and a purpose to all of this. Verse seven says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Max Lucado, uh, he describes the result of turning our, our worries into worship and for the peace of God. He, he says it this way, he says, as you do your part and you release the worry to God, well then he does his part by bestowing on you his perfect peace. You should be worried, but you're not. You should be upset, but you're calm. The peace of God transcends all logic, scheming, and efforts to explain it. And so the result, the result is peace. And the peace is that then, out of that peace, you will be better. You will be at your best. I will be at my best. We as a church, again, this, now we're going to move into the purpose of that peace. We are at our best for his work in his world. That's our purpose. So remember, we have written to a church on how the church can be best for what God has called the church to be, to further God's kingdom by God's power for God's glory. That's why we're here. And so as it says in verse five, it says, let this, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let this peace be evident to all. That's our purpose. We get to be a witness to the goodness and the peace of Christ, frankly, to a world that we know so desperately needs it. And so, as we bring this all together, this peace and this purpose, and we move forward, I, hopefully this, this prayerful columns process will be helpful, a uh, tool to you to be able to work through moving your worries into worship. Uh, but before we wrap up, um, you all know the saying, right? It ain't over till the... No, it ain't over till the Maroon 5 guy takes his shirt off at the Super Bowl party. No, I'm kidding. No, it ain't over until the last verse. Verse 9. Just making sure you're still with me. Okay. No, it ain't over till verse 9. In the last verse of this passage, it says this. Now, given all that, it says, whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard from me or seen in me, the Apostle Paul says, now put this into practice. It ain't over until we actually put this into practice. And then, it says, then the result, then the God of peace will be with you. In other words, as James says uh, later, he says, it's no good just to be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. It doesn't stop here. We have to go do this. And in all candor, this setting here, uh, in these four walls or wherever we're at, uh, participating in worship, in fairness, doesn't always allow a setting for us to be doers of the word. This is often where we hear the word and then we go out and do the word. But actually, given the context of today, today is a great opportunity where we can actually put this into practice. We can be doers of the word. And so that's what we're gonna do here over the next few minutes. We're gonna give you some time, some attention to be able to, verse nine, put this into practice. And so it's gonna be a little bit of a choose your own adventure here over the next several minutes, uh, but I wanna give you some ways in which you can replace your worry with worship uh, through the next several minutes. Um, first, uh, as the, uh, the praise team comes out, you can certainly 
express that and communicate that through singing to God in worship. We'll be doing that. Um, also, as we do that, there'll be some Philippians 4.8 brothers and sisters here around the room in the East Auditorium and in Lovington and online. You can submit your prayers at firstdecaterorg slash prayer. There's folks that'll pray for you and follow up with you appropriately on that. And so in all those settings, we want to join with you in Philippians 4.6, that whatever your situation, by prayer and petition together, we wanna join with you to present your requests to God. And so you can, you can pray with somebody about these things. Uh, if you just wanna sit in the quietness of your seat and pray about these things and petition God on your own, that's awesome. If you wanna maybe take out your program and work through those columns, just start to kind of write that stuff out or on a phone or something, that's great. Um, you'll also notice that in your program, I got too much stuff, I'm falling apart up here, folks. Should I bring a program up here? Uh, oh, I got it, thanks, Heather, I'm good. All right, take two action. All right. In your program, you'll notice there is a, a little card here uh, with a part of that passage, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, on there. And so maybe you just want to take that. This is just to be a reminder to you wherever you might want to place this throughout the week uh, as to the promises of God in the midst of those situations. And so maybe just right now, you just want to meditate on that, that you want to meditate on the mess. You want to meditate on God's word. It says that we want to store up God's word in our heart so we might not sin against him. And so maybe you just wanna take some time just to focus on that, um, that we might not sin against him by giving idolatry mapped onto the future, worrying about those things, but giving our attention to the worship of God and his promises. And so you can use that. If you're online, there's gonna be a, a little digital version of that that's posted you can use. In fact, later today, if you're on our text service, uh, they're gonna send out that image of, of this uh, passage. And I think the dimensions are like, they match like a phone. So if you want to put it on your phone and just as you know, you pull out your phone, because I don't know about you, when I pull out my phone, it usually is for some reason anxiety inducing. Someone needs something or some ping or ding. And that's a good reminder of God's promises in the midst of that. So if you don't get those texts, you can get that image later today by texting. I think I know it by now. First Decatur to 24587. Pretty good. Okay. And so for any of those, uh, again, it's choose your own adventure. We're gonna leave it in your hands. Uh, just to be upfront with what we've got time in the service, it's gonna be a little less than 10 minutes for those of you who like need to know these things. Um, so plenty of time to settle in. Uh, we're gonna ask that unless you have an emergency, you not leave because honestly, this is the most important part of the service because this is where we move from just being mere hearers and doers. This is where we do what God's word calls us to do, which is always what matters most, to put this into practice. And so we'll start all by standing, uh, but you don't have to remain there. You can sit, you can pray with someone, you can write, you can do, again, whatever helps you best move that worry into worship. And uh, I'll pray for us as uh, we get started with that. Heavenly Father, we are here to replace our worries with worship of you, that we wanna give our worth uh, to none of the temporary stuff of this world that wraps us up and we wanna wrap ourselves in you. And so God, as uh, we do that through these various ways, um, God, we thank you that you hear our prayers, that you hear our, our petitions, that you hear our thanksgiving and our trust ultimately in you. And God, we thank you in advance for honoring your promise that your peace, which will transcend anything we can calculate in our brains, uh, will be the gift that you give us. And then God, even now ahead as, as we go, may that peace serve your purpose of furthering that reality to others we encounter in this world by your power, furthering your kingdom, all glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray it, amen.